And so when I first developed my own hearing loss, I did the exact same thing. And I was embarrassed, I was ashamed. I would do anything to not have to admit that I couldn't hear. Hello, Women in Hearing Health. I am delighted to be here today with Shari Ebert, and I'm your host today, Kat Penno. Uh, I know Shari through social media avenues. Um, she's been in the limelight or on my radar for many years since I was a student. Um, and I just absolutely, you ignite the fire in my belly to make this industry and profession better for everyone involved. Um, I think you're an absolute superstar and I'm so grateful we have voices like yourself, Gail, even Matt's out there in the public talking and, and pushing the status quo on what it means to live with hearing loss and how to um, make it a more in inclusive and accessible area for all. Um, so Shari, without further ado, if you'd like to give a little bit of an introduction about yourself and what it means to be a woman in hearing health. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this, Kat. I mean, I think it's such a wonderful initiative because there are so many women in hearing health and it's just wonderful to have that additional support network. Sometimes women have different challenges that, that men might have. And so it's great to sort of have this sounding board and opportunity just to support one another. I think it's a, a wonderful community. So um, I got involved in hearing health, um, I guess about 10 to 15 years ago, but I first started noticing my hearing loss in my mid twenties. And it was something that I was very stigmatized by. My father also had hearing loss. And growing up, I just watched him do anything possible to hide it. It was just sort of an unmentionable topic in the family. He was always sort of off at a far table whenever we were doing some sort of a family party and really isolated himself um, from the family, from his work, from his friends. And so this was sort of what I learned about hearing loss growing up is that it was something that was so stigmatized and so um, secretive that it needed to be hidden. And so when I first developed my own hearing loss, I did the exact same thing. And I was embarrassed, I was ashamed, I would do anything to not have to admit that I couldn't hear. But it all changed for me when I had my own children because my hearing loss is genetic. And so I always worry that I may have passed it on to them. We don't know yet, they're still teenagers. But um, I saw them watching me do the same things that I had watched my father do. And I knew that I was passing on this same stigma and this cycle of embarrassment. And I just didn't want to do it. So I stopped and um, I started to accept my hearing loss finally. And I sort of went in, you know, a hundred and eighty degree direction, if that's the, the correct number of degrees, and decided to just put it out there. And instead of trying to hide it, really be very public about it and do everything that I could 
to break down the stigmas so that if they ever have to cope with having hearing loss, the world would be a more open place, a more accepting place. And so I feel like that's sort of part of the inspiration for my work is to create a world where the stigma goes down, the technology options go up, people understand how to live well with hearing loss. And so if they ever need to do that, they, you know, at least have the stage set a little bit better. I'm a little bit teary, to be honest. I just think that's such an amazing story. Um, I've read about your work before and I've heard you say it in another podcast, but to hear it, I suppose, face to face makes me feel like there's so much hope in the world that there are people trying to make this a better place. And I think, I think what the word that comes to my mind hearing your story there is you are such an incredible, incredible role model to many, many people. And look, seeing your father go through his hearing health journey, what was the family unit like? Did you have a traditional family unit or were you raised by one parent? Did you have siblings? How did they all contribute to how you did your 180 degree flip? Because I can imagine that that's no mean, mean feat. Where did, where did that drive? And then you mentioned becoming a parent, which is, which is huge. But before then, could you feel the impetus in, in your belly or in your intuition going, yeah, I think I'm going to have to make this a better place. And then you had the kids and they, so to speak, were the straw that broke the camel back or the, the flame that ignited you. My, my family unit was very traditional family unit. My mom, my dad, my sis, my younger sister and I. But when I look back on it, we weren't a particularly supportive family of my father. You know, I think that we could have done so much more to help him communicate better and stay involved with the family. And I think, again, it sort of came down to that stigma where he just, he would never ask us for help. He never wanted to appear vulnerable or weak you know this was many years ago where I think that men you know had this expectation that they couldn't have any weakness or any vulnerability and so I feel like we didn't know necessarily when he needed help um, and and how to help him I think there was just a lot less information that was out there then I remember um, you know, like I said, he would just sort of be off sitting by himself. And one time I went and I asked him, like, why are you all the way over here? And he said, you know, if people want to talk to me, they can come find me. And I think that was just sort of his way of handling it. And so I've been very lucky. I have a, a very supportive family and a, a very supportive husband who... Um, you know, I think knew my experience and knew that I was afraid that I would also have a family that wouldn't necessarily know how to support me. And so we really tried to set it up in a different way. And so, you know, luckily we've been successful with that. And I still had to sort of battle through though, right? Because it really had to come from me. I had to had to look at my kids and say, this is not worth it. You know, my own embarrassment and my own feelings, I have to put that 
second, I have to rise above that because I need to be that role model for my new family, my emerging family. And so it's not easy. You know, it sounds like, oh, great. And now everything's perfect. It's not perfect every day. <laughs> so I don't want anyone to think that, you know, it's like you snap your fingers and it's perfect. But um, it takes work, you know, but I'm very lucky that they all support me in, in my journey. And I love that you've been that big role model and influence and this, this, the support has come. That's, that's really awesome to hear and important. And from an industry perspective, I, I guess you're in this unique position because you can talk from, from many stakeholders' point of view. As a woman in hearing health who has hearing loss, who is a, a role model to many and a voice to many, how, how has your journey been? from that point of view? Yeah, well, my first career was in finance. So I guess I've always used to being sort of like that woman in the room with lots of, of men and trying to get my, um, my voice heard. And I do feel like in audiology, at least in the United States, if you look at the number of, of, you know, the makeup of the audiology community, it actually is very, very much skewed towards women. But, um, you know, I think sometimes women have a harder time finding their voice and putting themselves out there. They may feel, you know, that sort of imposter syndrome, right, that women sometimes go through where they don't necessarily have the confidence in their skills, which is silly, but you know, we all sort of suffer from that sometimes. And I think women also, um, you know, for better or for worse, seem to have just a lot of competing demands on their time. So career is one thing that's very, very important, but family is also very important. And so it's sort of finding that um, balance. And so now as my kids are getting older, I have this more opportunity to really be out there and to focus on the work that I want to do in terms of pushing things forward um, professionally, as well as you know, for the hearing loss community in general. And so I really like to partner with all different people in all different aspects of hearing health. You know, I love to talk to the manufacturers and really try and represent that patient perspective. I love to go to audiology conferences and again, sort of share that patient perspective because I think the more that we all interact with one another, you know, we're all sort of on the same team. It's just, we, you know, we maybe don't have as much understanding of um, each other as we could. And so I think it's things like this and interactions at different conferences across the industry that'll really help move things forward. So I love to be a part of that. It's a breath of fresh air to hear that you partner with so many different uh, stakeholders in our industry because I feel that it could be quite siloed sometimes but I think as you say the com these sort of conversations will help to broaden everyone's perspective and hopefully uh, encourage them or give them that confidence that they can you really can partner with who you believe is right uh, for your client or for yourself so I hope we can work towards breaking down some of those barriers